That's not, that's not the one. Where's the one? Oh, you're the one. Did our song get erased? Hello, everybody. This is the Gas Cap Renegades podcast, also known as the Trailcast. I'm your host, Levi Black Eagle, and we are going to go on an adventure. So lace up them shoes, grease up those nipples, and put some band-aids on those ass cheeks, and let's talk running. Trail running. The Gas Cap Renegades podcast. Trailcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is now January 22nd, the year of our Lord, 2022. It is, isn't it? Is it? Already the 22nd of January, dang. You just blink and the days click off pretty hard. How are you doing with your resolutions? You know that we don't make resolutions. <laughs> How are you doing with your goals? Progress. Goals? Progress. I'm doing pretty good on my um, staying on my coach's plan. I'm pretty proud of that. Awesome. I think that was a goal. I feel like for the past two to three years, I would do just enough to stay a runner, but not <laughs> enough to be like an in-shape runner, just to remind myself that I, I run sometimes. Just remind yourself you had legs? Yeah. But um, I never ever got like into like my fitness. Uh-huh. So when I paced you guys, man, that was tough. And I... Felt like I couldn't cry around about it either. You couldn't. I couldn't. I'm just glad you um, kept us from falling off a mountain. I'm you tired, guys. Ones. Wait for me. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, let's run a little bit. You guys are Can like we at, run? You guys are at 75 miles and I was complaining at 12. They were like, come on, let's run. <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, my fitness is improving, so I'm pretty happy with that. I'm, it's the first time I've ever um, paid attention to the heart rate monitor. Do you have one? Yeah, it um, connects to my watch. Well, the watch one was reading the same, but I guess basically I don't want to go into a maximum overdrive on the far right. Oh, yeah. Stay in the middle. What is your ideal working out heart I don't, rate? I don't know. I'm just, just a rookie. I'm not into details. <laughs> I was, when I worked out at MSUB when I was going to school there yeah. a while back, I had a heart rate chart next to the treadmills, and I'd always kind of try to keep mine... At like your age and like where you should be uh-huh. given which mode of which threshold you used to be on. I can't, I think they have names too. Yeah. There's like, I forgot what the names are, but I believe my resting heart rate the last time I checked was like 46 to oh, 50 what? around there. It's pretty good for my age. Did they think you were a vampire? No, but, um, I kind of went to the doctor and I got a checkup and said, I'm a beast. You could tell you're a runner, huh? <laughs> Just kidding. No, I didn't go to the doctor. Because <laughs> I know when Brocade would get her heart checked, they'd say, you run, don't you? Cause I guess, yeah, they can tell, huh? Mm-hmm. I think once it goes above 60, I think right around 60 is pretty low. 60 beats per minute. Then um, below that is, I, why, is it, why, why is that? Your heart works really hard, though. When it takes takes time off, it just relax, relaxes. If you've got a um, car that is... Tuned up and brand new, it's not going to work as hard as a car that's all beat up and not mm-hmm. taken care of, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and puttering up a hill. He never ever gave you a truck of oil change. It's going to barely make it. But if you got that truck that you're always investing in, it's going to run well for you. Yep. And then that stop signs. Do you ever, <laughs> do you, did you ever see those cars or being in one of those cars where it'll turn off at stoplights? Oh, yeah. You come to a stop and it just shuts off. And yep. That was weird. It's kind of scary when you're running and then one starts up right next to you. Oh, yeah. I usually run in the hills so that doesn't happen that much to me. I did, me, Brocade, and two others joined us and we did, I think, about 11 back there. Oh, wow. Awesome. A good mixture of mud and ice oh, and man. snow. But that was a heck of a workout. We went early enough to where the mud wasn't completely defrosted. Some spots were a little little chewy, but overall it was Okay. Catula spikes and mud. Yeah. Not a good combo. Are they big spikes? Like no, an inch or no, half no, no, inch? No, no, or little, little guys that'll just... Just enough little to, micro spikes? Enough to grab onto the ice and hold okay. onto the ice, but then 
Not good in mud, huh? They suck in mud. Holy crap. I had to take them off and carry them for a while. They even kind of rotate and shift and they like, I don't know how it was. Like I was coming downhill and like mud got under there and they just, they shifted and they pinched my toes and it wasn't good. Cthulhu, great and nice, bad in mud. So I would think um, anybody who wants to use spikes should try them out a bit first instead of committing to a big 20 miler. Yeah. Um, you, you might hurt your feet or your knees or your hips or something, mm-hmm. you know, get used to them. And So if, so for thick mud, I would suggest maybe just a sh- shoe. Barefoot, just barefoot. Huh? Just a shoe with an aggressive tread. <laughs> do, I know they make, do they make mud spikes? Are yours for mud? Remember they kind of like those bars going across? I don't know. I ha- I bought a new pair and um, it's kind of got some little half inch spikes on them. Mm-hmm. Right? And I ran out in the hills with them and it was nice. I didn't even slip once. That's Deep good. snow, ice. Yeah, I'm pretty confident on ice with these things. Like, like even downhill, mm-hmm. I just let it, let it rip. No moonwalking with them. Huh? No moonwalking. No accidentally. I know that I'm getting old because back when I was younger, if I fell, I could just get back up and nothing to do it. Before, then I was getting older when I fell, <laughs> the pain kind of lingered for a bit. Now, if I slip and I don't fall, it still hurts. <laughs> like my arms kind of flailed around and I, I ninja caught myself before I hit the ground. Do you and think uh, you broke your arm? I thought I pulled my whole back. It was bad. <laughs> I knew I was becoming an adult when I decided I had the thought, maybe I should buy some decaf coffee. <laughs> and I thought, no, I can't do that. I've never had that thought in my life. <laughs> Man, my leg is itchy. But yeah, we are... Um, Training is going well. I feel like if I just stay the course, yes, it, it started off pretty pretty easy. I was like, oh yeah, I could do this. And I was thinking, thank goodness that I wasn't already um already like running, yeah, and literally climbing from the couch to the to the hundred miles. So <laughs> she's nailed us right perfectly where to start off. That's I think um because yours met with you over Zoom or Skype or wherever, and you had that personal conversation. That was probably good too for coaching, because um, we never mine. I didn't get that either. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like download this app, and it was like, good job, and it was like lacking that personal piece. And mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm losing fitness here, mm-hmm. and it was kind of people are busy too, so I get a benefit of the doubt. But yep. I just decided to do what I <laughs> listen to my body and go run on my own, and I'm feeling a heck of a lot more confident now. That's good. Yep. Well, it's not like you've never run ran a hundred mile before. I never did. This is, but yeah. Are you going to do anything different training wise? I will probably train this time. <laughs> that might help. Yeah, this time I'm going to train and um, do some core work and stretching. Going to start stretching now. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stretch. Holy crap! My calves and my posterior are sore than heck, man. What's a posterior? My gluteus maximus, <laughs> the whole thing. I stretch them. I need to try to stretch them. Buns of steel. But I'm noticing that my IT band is getting stronger. Whatever yes. the heck is going on. Are what? you stretching it? No, we're doing like strength stuff. Oh, cool. And there's a little bit of stretching in there, but not a lot. Um, I sometimes I'll do. Brocade likes to do the insanity. Yeah. Is it insanity? It's which one insanity. is? Which it's one is Shanti? Shanti's insanity, right? I don't know. I think it is. Because I get P90X and Insanity. I think it's Insanity. Anyhow, there's a pretty good warm-up routine in there. And she does the whole thing, but I'll do the warm-up, then I'll do my my stuff. I learned a new word What's this the word? week. What is it? Netrovert. Netrovert. With N-E-T, like a netrovert. Is it, that with the internet? Yeah, it's like an online extrovert, but offline they're an introvert. Oh, I know a lot of people like that. Kind of makes sense. I'm uh-huh. an introvert. And I was like, you know, because me and you have visited people and can barely get any words out of them. But online, they're really loud. Yeah. But I think it, <clears throat> they're, it's pretty cool. They're actually um, they're able to think of their responses or uh-huh. really put time into what they want to say. And and because um, they're not live face-to-face, nobody can interrupt them. That's true. Whereas if they were live and in person, they might not get a word in. Would you consider yourself a netrovert? No. Just a vert? Just a vert. Just a vert. And then um, they can choose 
if they're going to respond to someone or not. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're face to face with somebody, <laughs> it's a bit different. I was reading the book, and um, I think we had this conversation before where these people were arguing uh-huh. on um, one of the one of the threads. Yeah, and we're like, how does this not? And we we're wondering, like, if these people were arguing, they probably end up in a fight. Yeah, but then we started thinking maybe just fighting just isn't an option for them. Like their mind just doesn't go there. Whereas I don't know if just because of who we are, where we come from, the yeah. thought was like, if you talk to me like that, we're going to get into a fight. Yeah. And, um, I was listening to that book. I was listening to, and um, that guy had the same thought. He's like, I don't know what's going on here. If someone like, but his, his thing was a lot shorter. Like the distance to an argument to a fight was like half a step. Whereas us, it might be a couple steps to a fight. Uh-huh. He was like, well, I don't know. He's listening to lawyers argue. He said the way they were talking to each other, like, well, how come these guys aren't punching each other right now? I don't I get know, it. Right? You know, I thought it was just a weird thing. Like, is that just how? Maybe people regional. Who, just maybe if you've never been punched in the kisser, you, <laughs> you're pretty, pretty loose with the lips. But, but those of us who've um, received punches um, to the kisser, especially if you had bigger brothers, I don't know, you yeah, if you got bigger that. brothers with mad headlocking skills, you <laughs> kind of learned that. Maybe it's different regional, huh? I guess our socioeconomic or I don't want to say race, culture. Culture. Something. Something. Like, man, them's his fighting words right yeah, there. You know, I know. Some stuff you don't say. And- but my dad was talking about that too where um, <clears throat> when he was in D.C. one time these guys were these politicians on opposite sides of the aisle were just going at it. Then after that they went, they went out and had dinner and drinks, you know. Acting like they were friends. Yeah. You know. There's a, you would be able to separate. It's okay to disagree. You know, we don't hate each other, but at the end of the day, we're all human beings. Next question. Do you think, uh, go ahead. The Bloods and Crips, did they get that from the <laughs> Republicans and the Democrats? Democrats. The blue and the red? <laughs> Could be. I, I wonder. It's because it's starting to feel like that up there on the hill. Gangsters. Uh, Bloods and Crips, never, never the twain shall meet. Yeah, it's strange because it seems like you want to have, be the same person everywhere you are. Mm-hmm. But if you're kind of dogging someone out across the aisle and then all of a sudden you're having dinner with them like five minutes later, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Uh, you've got to be able to separate. You're Baduba Amalangada. What's a Baduba Amalangada? Madula Amalangada. But, but do, I knew I messed up when I saw it. I, I just, I just committed and kept going. But do, but um, blah, blah, When I was in DC a little, everybody runs there. Oh yeah, huh? like there's a lot of people jogging. Yeah, That's I didn't cool. see Captain America though. You didn't know? Mm. It's old. Pretty neat. Pretty, Pretty neat. neat. But yeah, I didn't run though. I wanted to. I didn't take my running stuff. I came into Crow Agency the other day and I seen a couple of Chargers. The Dodge Chargers. Oh, okay. Here they were wearing donuts. All right. Donut tires. I think they were doing. I mean, um, I was kind of thinking, boy, it looks like, you know, guys who lift weights and they're real buff and they got really skinny legs. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, shoots. And then people hang on to them donuts on their car for quite a while, too, you know. I was always scared to drive around with donuts. Yeah. What's the mileage on the things? Not very far. <laughs> I don't know. Don't recommend. Don't leave it on your Hellcat. Your Hellcat, Mm-hmm. They're probably burning out and just blew out their tire. So we have a we have a guest tonight, today, who's eagerly waiting on his phone for us to call him. Yeah, Roy McNabb is going to be joining us today. He's a member of the Pakani Nation. The Blackfeet. Yeah. Friends. All right. Born and raised and um, run some ultras and I believe he did the rim to rim to rim. Oh, really? He's going to be joining us in the crazy 100. Yes. Let's give him a call. Let's give him a call. Rim to rim to rim. Yep. That's where you go from the south end. And you go down to the Abu Da Amblagara. The Abla <laughs> down there. You you reach fill your water and you go back to the top. <laughs> then you go back and do it. Reverse. What's Does, that little thing in the back of your throat that hangs there? What's that called? That's called the medulla. Is it? Isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Okay. All right. That's I mean, what I pictured when you were saying that. <laughs> what is that for anyhow? I just remember that Mickey Mouse, how long when are those little whales? When you're singing and you kind of, your voice shakes, that, that's the part that makes your voice shake. <laughs> Was it Mickey Mouse who grabbed onto that whale's medulla? <laughs> Is it really a medulla? 
It's something. I'm going to do the oblongata. Do you think Roy knows what it is? I don't know, but it's going to be fun visiting with him. Okay. Let's get to know Roy. Did you tell him we're calling from a weird number? Oh, I forgot. How do you answer like a radio station guy? Hello? Hello, is this Roy McNabb? Yes. Hey, how's it going, Roy? Jason and Levi here. Going good. Nice. Good to hear. You're pulling over real quick. Pulling over real quick. Let me switch my mom drivers. Okay. All right. (sighs) Safety first. Yep. Can you hear us okay? Oh, yeah. I hear you great. Awesome. We were having technical difficulties last time. Yeah, that's what he said. All right, I'm good. Well, how are you doing? Oh, man. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes, we can hear you. All right, all right, I'm good. I'm ready. Uh, how's it going, Roy? It's going good, man. Just shopping with my mom. Nice. How's the weather up there? Are you are you in Black Brownie right now? Or? No, I'm in Great Falls right now. We went to Costco and Walmart real quick. Mm-hmm. Is the Walmart there? Like the Walmart here, when we go, it's like a big family reunion. See all sorts of people, you know? Oh, yeah. Yep. And then no matter how old you are, the um, workers kind of follow you around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, that's how they are. They'll say no mask. The res will shut down, and you see all the councilmen at the Walmart. All no mask. <laughs> Darn those councilmen. Hey, um, yeah. For um, for our listeners who don't know, how about you give a little bit about yourself? Oh man, let's see. Maybe the Cliff's uh, notes. My name is Roy McNabb. I'm born and raised on a Blackfeet reservation, and I've been running for as long as I can remember. Like I've always ran. I like running. I fell in love with it at a young age, and now I'm getting older. I just turned 40. I feel like I can give back. So I've been coaching the past couple of years, like about 12 years now. I've been coaching. What do you coach? Uh, coach this. I coach softball and baseball in the Bay Area for a long time, about eight years, and then I moved home a few years ago and I started running. Hmm. I started running and in, uh, in the Bay Area, I had a little running club with my uh, my son and a couple of his friends, and then some of the local elementary school kids when they were younger. Then as they got into middle school and high school. Well, I stepped up to coaching, you know, then they started getting competitive. So I stepped up my coaching and coaching them competitive. So my son right now, he's one of the top runners in the Bay Area. He runs for Castro Valley High. Wow. Then here in, on the, in Browning, uh, I coach cross country and track, coach middle distance and track, and then I'm the head cross country coach for Browning. And we're having some success, but now I'm starting to get a handle on it, starting to get some momentum going i see us stepping up big next year on a cross-country stage big time that's good we uh we're producing some good runners on a boys and girls side which is one of my big one of my big goals is to put us back on a map not just on a boys side but the girls side because we have the talent we just need the numbers and now we got the coach and me i feel i'm confident in my abilities you know and i'm confident in the kids the talent pool is deep here i just got to get them to run with me Nice. And, of course, in the off-season, we run all year round. I got the Browning running program, and we run about a couple years ago with one kid, right, one freshman. That freshman's going to be a senior, and I bet you he wins a state title in 800 this year. Nice. Possibly a mile. And now we're up to, like, 20 kids all year round, whether they're track or distance. I got some football kids that want to get more speed and power under their legs. I got some basketball kids that want to jump higher, you know, whoever Want the training, I show them. So I'm super optimistic about this next few years under uh, in in the school system. That's exciting. How did you, um, you said Bay Area, how did you end up in from, or Browning all the way oh, to the Bay Oh, in the Bay Area. Area, I ended up there, I was in the Marine Corps from 2002 to 2006. So and then after the Marine Corps, uh, my kids' mother got a job 
after she graduated college, she got a job in the Bay Area. We put our resumes on monster.com and the Bay Area snatched us up. Oh, wow. So she's a registered nurse. And then I came on as a diesel mechanic. Hmm. And uh, so I've worked in the Bay Area for since 2006, 2005. How was that moving That's away? Uh, and because um, I know that there's a fear sometimes of leaving. What was your experience? Oh man, I'm always adventurous. You know, I never really. Yeah, of course you get homesick, you get lonesome for stuff, but I've always looked for the next adventure. You know, I've always looked at stuff as an opportunity. So living in the Bay Area, sure, I got lonesome for powwows and family and stuff, but at the same time, I'm eating food from different cultures. I'm working and meeting people from different cultures, different backgrounds. I'm picking up new job skills and I stay busy. You know, I don't sit around. I like to, I like the trail running in the Bay area In the Bay area. I think has some of the best trails in the world. Not that I've been all over the world, but man, you got mountains, you got redwoods, you got the beach, you got the ocean, you got beautiful road running, you got beautiful trail running. Like it can be beat. Is that where they have so the, always, Oh, sorry. Is that where what? they had the, the North Face trail run? The North Face 50, is that what it's called? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, I never, I've always ran trails with like Team North Face and Team Nike or some endurance team, but I've always represented myself. You know, I never got picked up or sponsored. I'm just a weekend warrior like everybody else. Hmm. Yeah. But I love the sport. I like, when people don't people don't understand how I can go on a two hour trail run and I don't understand how people can sit around all day staring at their phone, you know, it's kind of <laughs> a different world. I live in both worlds. <laughs> how did you get into running growing up? Oh man. You know what? I think I've been running long as like my earliest memories were running. Growing up my mom would bring me in the summertime. We didn't I didn't really have a coach. I would just run. You know, so on the weekend, she'd wake me up like four, five, six in the morning, and we go to the local towns and run the local fun runs, the local miles and 5Ks and stuff like that. It was always just all about having fun. Get a free T-shirt and eat some McDonald's afterward or something and come home. And then as I got older, well, we had a strong running group at the middle school level, and that's when we kind of developed a team and the lifelong friends you meet on a running scene are still my friends today. A lot of them don't. A lot of them don't run no more. But the memories are still there, you know. Mm-hmm. And at the high school level, we pick it up even more. So then, when I was, I think I was 14 or 15, Wings of America picked me up, and I ran at nationals. I got smoked at nationals, but the experience, the people, the coaches—it really opened my eyes to what running can bring me. And that kind of what set me like, hey, I want to run at different venues all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So running always got me I like the feeling it doesn't matter how hard the race was the feeling after the race was over was phenomenal the idea of uh, traveling and running and just living that lifestyle was awesome like I like it so much before I moved home I almost bought an RV and decided to work up and down the coast and trail run oh wow tell me, you know almost I'm glad I didn't <laughs> that would be the dream yeah that hobo lifestyle, yeah. Just yeah. be a run bum. Work run as a bum. diesel mechanic and just travel up and down a coast and run trails. Yep. That's the dream. Hey, how do you... Then, yeah, then... Uh, oh, yeah, then when I was out of the Marine Corps, my dad got sober in, like, 2003. So then me and him started running. And then I quit drinking in, like, 2012. And me, he would travel to the Bay Area and same thing. We'd do all kinds of trails. He introduced me to ultra running. Oh, wow. I never even heard of it. You know, I'm doing like local 5K. The longest I ever did was a marathon. And then he did like Old Gabe 50K or he did a trail run that just sounded crazy. And that kind of got that, got me wondering if I could do that. And so we ended up doing the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim, you know, across and back. Uh-huh. And that was a huge step up in distance. And that was painful, but it was part of the best run I've ever did, competitive or non-competitive. It was a, it, like the whole way was a postcard from the start to the finish. It was a postcard. My dad thinks we did it in 18 hours, but we did it in 12 because we were supposed to step off at like 2 in the morning. Yeah. We didn't step, we slept in and didn't leave until like 6 in the morning. 
Oh. And then we finished at 6 in the evening, so it took us, like, a little over 12, like, almost 13. Wow. So, and we hustled, we moved, like, I didn't think it was going to take us that long, because we got across in, like, five and a half hours. We were making great time, and then coming back, oh, man, it was brutal. Coming back, we started to bonk, and it was tough. But, like I say, the whole way was crazy beautiful. So then after the Grand Canyon, I started looking, what other can, what else can we do? Because more than the flat road races, I like being up in the mountains. I like the trails. Some places are only accessible on foot. You're not getting up there on dirt bike or mountain bike. Some places you're on your all fours climbing up and down a mountain, you know, scrambling. Mm-hmm. The, uh, but yeah, from there it just grew. And it just hasn't stopped. Like people think it slows down but it doesn't because as soon as it's over you're like oh man once your body heals you're looking at the next one how should I train for the next one what can I do for the next one how do I protect my feet what can I do for aerobic for strength for my hips for recovery so now I'm looking at the crazy mountain 100 and I'm pumped just thinking about it so how are you going to train going into that I got a basic mileage plan I'm following but right now this early on, I'm just trying to get my strength up, trying to get some strength in the hips and glutes, get my hips strong for some power hiking. And probably within the next couple months, I'm going to start practicing eating while I run. Uh-huh. One of my best workouts is here in Glacier Park. I have a hill that's a mile long, pretty not too steep, but not too shallow either. And just park at the bottom with a bunch of snacks and dry, dry meat and water and go up and down it, you know, up and down and practice eating while I run. And then with my dad, one of our bread and butter workouts is we'll step off at two in the morning. We'll practice running while fatigued. Hmm. So we'll wake up two in the morning, run till like eight, nine, ten in the morning, eating, running, tired. Of course, you're tired and beat up, but you need that mental training. Yep. Because you'd be in the best shape of your life. But if you can't hack it mentally, you're not going to finish. You're not. It's going to be a test in pain tolerance more than an athletic event. So... Our workouts are a lot of it's geared towards staying properly hydrated and nutri- nutrition-wise. Then the other half is straight mental conditioning, learning to embrace the suck, you know, get ready. Because it's not going to be easy, and sure, it's beautiful, it's motivating, it's fun, but that happens when it's over. When you're actually going through it, I, it's tough. You know, you got be you got to be ready to step up to that challenge. I agree. Hey, isn't it, is it, um, up in Glacier, is it a lot of bears up there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Glacier, you got to run. I run, uh, we pack bear spray, of course. I got my dog, and we got a pistol. You know, I pack a forty-five. Mm-hmm. But bears, if you make noise, they'll leave you alone. You know, bears don't want to mess with nobody. People get attacked. It's usually because they're quiet or they spook them or they try and pet their cubs or something stupid. <laughs> I, I see bears probably, when I run, I bet you 50% of the time when oh, I'm up in Glacier or St. Mary area, there's tons of bears. Jeez. Moose, actually, and more than bears, though, moose are more mean. Like, moose will attack you for no reason. <laughs> bears what what, what do you do if they you run? You, they'll head out the other way. If you run to a moose, what are you supposed mm-hmm. to do? Oh man, moose! I don't, I don't. You know, if I see a moose, I stop and start walking the other way, nice and slow. I don't bother them. Moose—they're jerks. Moose are clobber you, man. People are scared of bears. Moose will mess you up. Yeah, last year um, training, we ran into a lot of moose, and they run fast through yep. the trees too. Kind of pretty yep. scary. They're huge through the trees. Bigger than a horse. Mm-hmm. Yep, big knobby knees. So do you use bear bells? Yeah. Make noise, bear bells. Carry a speaker. Or every once in a while, just yell out, hey, bear. You know, <laughs> something. Let them know you're around. Yeah, Make we've sure used a... Don't, uh, it's pretty irritating using a bear bell, but it's kind of... I hated it. Yeah, you were the one who wore I always it. had to wear yeah. it for some reason. <laughs> Well, the best defense is always run with somebody slower than you, you know, so always make sure I have a running buddy and faster than This is the first time he's ever called them bear bells, though. He usually calls them something else. What do I call them? 
the vowel in bells is different. Dinner bell. <laughs> Dinner bell. <laughs> yeah. How how do you um? Is it because I know that Browning is a kind of known for their wind. How do you how do you train like and you compensate for the wind? You just kind of deal with it. Oh man, if it's like ninety or hundred, then of course we're not training. We're running inside oh, on a treadmill. But otherwise, you've got to suck it up. I the wind's terrible. So a lot of if it's moderate, like thirty to forty miles an hour, and something not too bad, I'll run with the wind at my back. You know, we, there's long straight roads here where you can run with the wind at your back, and it's not too bad. But otherwise, you got to time. Or if there's a break in the wind, let's say it gets calm, doesn't blow as hard. I'll drop whatever I'm doing and go run real quick. Oh, wow. Hey, I'm going to go take an early lunch or whatever. I'm going to go run for an hour. Got to get it while they're getting good. Because if it's blowing heavy, it makes it sure miserable to train. I heard there's like about... It's not just the wind. Yeah, it's like dirt blows in your face. It's <laughs> rocks, you know? <laughs> yep. Get hit, get hit in the face with like a freaking a twisted tea can or something. <laughs> Another of the worst cans laying around, twisted tea cans. Yep. They're the yep. worst. The worst litterers. The worst litterers are twisted the twisted tea, tea drinkers. <laughs> yep. Yep. The um, I went to Browning a few months ago, and just looking at the mountains there, I thought, man, I would love to come up here and hike and run. And somebody said there's like, like just hundreds and hundreds of miles of trail there. Really. And it's yep. Just pretty. These, uh, the trails I like, uh, are these packing trails, like these cowboys will load their horses up and pack them and go ride up in the mountains. Well, you can run those same trails, you know, pack some jerky, pack some gear and go run the, uh, but right now my favorite is looking glass road is closed off and looking glass is a highway. You know, they closed it off top to bottom and it's about a good eight miles of good running up and down the hill. So I like, I like the, I like the, uh, I do like the trails, but sometimes they're just too, snow's too deep or just too inaccessible. Mm-hmm. So what was your first, um, ultra and, um, how was that? Hello. Do we lose you, Roy? Hello. Roy. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear Sorry, you. Sorry, it broke up. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, the talking about Looking Glass. So Looking Glass Road is like eight miles. They blocked it off in wintertime because it just gets too snowy. Uh-huh. And you can run and hike up it. You know, you can, so it's good trail running there because it's hard-packed snow or powder snow. Either way, you can run on it because sometimes logging trails or the trails are just too inaccessible with snow and they're just too mountainous. You know, there's no way to get to them. Mm-hmm. But in that case, I like running the roads. And so right now I've got a good trail that I'm going to use predominantly for my training. And that's up in the mountains. And the, be- the views are crazy beautiful. Like like I say, the whole way is a postcard, you know. What was the um, first ultra you did? And tell us about that. How was that experience? The first what? Ultra. It was the Grand Canyon. Or okay. no, was it? I think. The rim to rim to no, rim? No, I think I did a road 50K, like a Wolf Creek or something, 50K, but it was all road flatness. You know, it didn't really feel like an ultra because it was pretty flat. It was a road race. Hmm. And uh, it, the first one I did was the Grand Canyon. And what made the Grand Canyon, and I underestimated it. I, I thought, was it 40 something miles? I told my dad, I'm too easy, I can do it. So I came in, instead of being like lean and mean, I came in kind of a little bit overweight. I trained for it, but I was mainly doing long runs, lifting weights, and I didn't take it serious, and it kicked my butt. And what made that tough uh, was the mental fatigue. So yeah. now when I train, I train a lot to to put up with the mental anguish, the toughness you're, you're going to need out there. And the first time I did it, when we went across, me and my dad booked it across pretty fast. Coming back, I started hurting. I started cramping up. And I noticed my dad was in worse shape than me, but he kept talking to me. We are talking about life, about cars, about everything. And I, pretty soon I noticed he's talking to me to keep my mind off the pain. Yep. And so I was like, oh, I see what he's doing. So then I started talking with him, and sure enough, as the miles went on, the miles got faster and 
time flew by faster and it made it way easier. If you could put your mind on something else, it makes the journey or the pain not as bad. And so from that experience, well, what did I learn from it? I need to toughen up mentally. I need to take my training seriously. I need to take my recovery seriously. I learned how to hydrate from that race. I learned how the importance of nutrition, how to eat and run. You eat too much calories, you're going to puke. If you don't eat enough calories, you're going to bonk. You have to ride that ride that line of just enough nutrition to keep you going. And don't underestimate any ultra course, any of them. doesn't matter how easy you think it is. I've ran hard. I ran easy 50K, and I've ran a hard half marathon. You know, I ran a... There's one down by Helena called Don't Fence Me In, and that one's crazy. Like, there's no flat areas on it. Like, the very first, as soon as the gun goes off, you're going uphill 6,000 feet or something. Mm-hmm. So, so I learned not to underestimate any race, any trail race, especially in Montana. So was your so was your rim, the, to uh, rim to rim to rim, was that just you guys doing it, or was it, was it a race? It was just us. Me and my dad did it. Me and my dad, there was no T-shirt. There was no, oh, no, we got a T-shirt from the souvenir shop, I think. <laughs> but a lot of these races, like me and my dad will go on, We a lot of our ultras aren't even signed up for, you know, me and him will plot a course out on a map and go run somewhere. Right. And uh, we used to do that in the Bay Area, too, where we'll Google a place to run and be like, hey, let's run Carmel, California. Hey, let's travel down to Santa Barbara. Let's go into Monterey and run this. You know, we'll find a place to run and be out there six, seven, eight hours just running, enjoying it. Backpack full of jerky and snacks. Well, we're kind of doing the same thing here, but here you got to be more prepared for the element. Because here it might snow, it might rain, it might blow 100 miles an hour. Make sure you don't get lost. Make sure you know where people know where you're at in case you do get lost. You know, everything has to be uh, safety first. So a lot of our running, it's not even on ultra sign up. A lot of our running was never even on the computer. You know, we just run for the heck of it. But like, yeah. like a lot of the, my dad's real old school. He he'll carry a freaking map. Like dad, where are we at? They're looking at his Garmin. <laughs> you'll see him bust out a road atlas, like six by four feet, looking at a topography map. Like what's you doing, Pop? <laughs> Look on your Garmin, dude. Oh my lord, that's funny. He's got quite the resume on um, Ultra Sign Up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he does. Yep. He's a, he's a beast. He's getting a little bit older. He's had, and he has bad knees. So that's, uh, he has both titanium knees and he moves way better. So he wants to do a hundred miler. And, uh, I got the training for it. So I sent it to him. He said, he's going to try it next month. We got, I think we got, uh, I don't know. We got like a half marathon around Seeley Lake. Nothing big, but that's our next race right now. I think that's a half marathon. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, that sounds pretty fun. No joke. Yeah, it's fr- no joke. Yeah, it's super beautiful. So but you, you as were far in as ultras, the, we got old Gabe. Oh, what's that? You were in the military for a few years. Yep. Do you think some of that training um, you've carried over in your thinking about running? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I, I heard My, you say embrace the suck. Oh, yeah. Yep. Embrace the suck. Train yourself for the mental anguish. You know, you uh, a lot of that directly from the military, the discipline, the effort, being smart, plan it out before you attack it. You know, a lot of that I carry from the military directly in ultra running, and it proves successful. Time and time again, if I mess up on a run, if I bonk or get injured, what did I do? How do I prepare myself so it doesn't happen again you know and then now i'm coaching these kids at the high school level middle school level and i teach them the same strip all the military stuff off it while i teach them how to stay disciplined when you're not motivated how do you keep going how do you prepare yourself and you know just build these kids up from the vantage point of being strong you know be strong first you you don't come up with excuses it's life's hard on everybody you know, coming from a reservation, a lot of these kids relate to hardship more than they do the good times. So I think uh, if we don't catch it early enough, well, that can turn into, the, I don't want them to develop the victim mentality. Yeah. I don't want them to to be the dudes that find excuses every time stuff gets hard. You know, hey, it's supposed to be hard. 
you're supposed it's going to be tough. What do you think happens in adulthood? You know, when you want to go to college, you get a bad grade instead of going out and partying, you're expected to go to that study hall to get your grade back up, you know, be more mature than your age. And so that's what I try and instill in the kids and I keep it fun, keep it positive when they're struggling, help them up when they mess up, put them on the right track, you know, just simple stuff, but it's hard to execute. Yeah, how does one maintain motivation? We have a lot of, you know, if somebody's been running and kind of fell out of the groove, how can somebody get back into it? Oh, man. For me, I think mine comes from, my motivation comes from, I know what it feels like to be an alcoholic. You know, when I quit drinking, the withdrawals I went through, the hardship I went through, it, it was terrible. I would never want to go through withdrawals again. So now I feel like I still feel like I'm coming up on 10 years of not drinking and I feel like wow. it's brand new still. Like I still, every day I wake up, I'm so thankful I don't need three beers when I jump in a shower to get ready for the day. You know, I feel like I got a new lease on life still every day I wake up because I know what it feels like to have that shallow breathing. Is my heart going to stop? Like it was terrible. I could not believe the withdrawal. So now my motivation is I don't want to ever want to feel like that again. I know what it feels like to be at the bottom, to lose a job, to go through divorce. Like life's going to, life's painful enough uh-huh. just trying to be successful. You know, you don't want to go through the pain of life because you're a dumbass or <laughs> screwing up. And I think if, uh, with the kids, I try, I tell the kids that you're going to tie your goals to something that makes you happy. There's, so that way, when it when there is no motivation, when it sucks sometimes, you're still going to do it. May, for me, it's trail running, but maybe you don't like trail running. Maybe you, I tell these kids, maybe you like singing Indian. Maybe some of you guys like beadwork, creating art, cooking. Maybe some of you guys like fixing up old Chevys. Whatever it is, put your effort into that. Grow that love for that and figure out a way to make money at it or figure out a way to make it a hobby, a passion, something you can do every day. Yeah. And put your energy in that positive direction because that will feed that positive lifestyle. Now you're less likely to get hooked on drugs or take a wrong turn in life when you can put something positive in the front of your life. Then as your nephews, nieces, and kids get older, they look at you as the motivator and see you moving in a positive They want to be like you. Because as soon as you go through hardship, if you run to a whiskey bottle or drugs, every time gets hard, that, that, life's, that life ends pretty quick for everybody. doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, true that. <clears throat> I have a um, random question. Yep. And I don't know if you, you might not know the answer, but um, why is it called Browning? Oh man, I have no clue. Probably some old settler dude named Browning. I have no clue at all. Remember a bunch of brown people? (laughs) 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 They're not Mexicans, you know. What the hell? They're brown. Let's call it Browning. (laughs) Yeah, it probably was a settler or maybe a army. army. It always is. Yep. Yep. Come in and rename places. So, what's the longest run you've done today? I have I have not ran today. I mean today. I have not ran today. Saturday though, it's probably going to be like a ten or twelve miler, <laughs> oh, two hours. What's the longest run you've um, participated in? Longest run. Was it the rim to rim to rim? No. What we do, Old Gate? No, did we do Old Gate fifty miler a couple years ago? I think it was. It would have to be Old Gate. It would be a fifty miler. Hmm. But the exact distance, I'm not even sure. It, and that one was tough because, like I say, the road 50 milers and 50 k's you done in like six hours. You know, the mountain ones you're done in like 10, 12 hours. And uh, so it would be a 50 miler. Mm, wow. How far and is then, the How far is the Grand Canyon one? How many miles is that? Our Garmin, our GPS tracked it at 46, mm. starting at our car to car. But I think it's like 42 miles. I can't remember the exact mileage. Did you have to? I take... can't remember the exact from South Kaibab to the North Rim back to the South. I think it's 42. Did you have to take um, like all of your food and stuff, or was there like water along oh, the way? Oh no, 
that's uh when I talk about my dad showing me this, this how we did it was we loaded up our water bottles in one liter bottles, like and packed a shitload and I was like, Holy crap, we're packing a lot of water and stuff. <laughs> but when we went down and went across, we hid bottles in them rocks. Oh, okay. So when we went across, we were stashing bottles of water all the way across. And then at the bottom, I can't remember mm. what that whole branch is called, but we filled up on water and kept going. Then on the way back, we had just enough water, and we made it to our water bottle and started picking them up nice. along with our food. So then we all our gear we left, we picked back up on our way out. Okay. So we never ran out of water, and we didn't have to carry a ton of water and snacks across because we stashed it. Yeah. Okay. As it got dark too, what made it tough was when when it's dark or the shadows kind of move, the terrain looks different. So we're looking around like I know there's a water bottle down here. (laughs) You know, we're writing X's on the rocks, and in the nighttime, it's hard to see the X. Yeah. Scratching the X in the rocks. Man, that's hardcore. I would never thought. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, my dad he got his he gave me his books, and a lot of them are on ultra marathon how to nutrition, actual medical books on what to do for nutrition, you know. And then, of course, we have the books like Born to Run and yeah. all the other. We have some good reading lists as far as ultra books and running books, stuff like that. Hey, what kind of advice would you have for maybe a young person who graduated high school recently going to join the military? What kind of advice would you have for them? Oh, hang on. Don't go an open contract. Pick three MOSs you like, three jobs you like. Me, when I went in, I picked three mechanic jobs, and I got my third one, which was AAV mechanic. But more than that, the military is supposed to be tough, especially if you go into the Marines, right? It's supposed there's no easy way around it. If you go into the military and you're looking to be the laziest one there, life's going to get tough. You know, you got to figure out a way to discipline yourself, strengthen yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, and put up with the lifestyle. It's only four years, but that four years sticks with you for the rest of your life. What's open contract? And I think if open contract, your recruiter will say, man, you know what? Your job's not going to be open for months. And if you want, we can get you in right now. If you just sign this piece of paper saying you'll, open you any contract while when you finish boot camp your MOS should be open and you'll get it and they're full of shit you're gonna be a cook or you're gonna be a bullet sponge or you're gonna be doing something stupid because you're gonna do a job that nobody else wants to do shoveling crap or something I don't know don't go in open contract that means they can put you anywhere they want and usually it's a cook on some feed line that's the boringest stupidest four years of your life (laughs) what'd you say a bullet fund Bullet sponge. Oh, bullet sponge. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're probably going to be infantry with 311. Mm. Bullet sponge, oh, man. Because they're not going to, it's not like you're going to be open contract. Oh, guess what? This technical job just opened up right on time for you. Yeah, right. That's not going to happen. When you get out, you're going to be paid six figures. Like, no, that's not going to happen. You go in open contract, they're going to put you with the stupid jobs nobody else wants to do. That's good advice. Good advice. So what's what is what's your race calendar look like for the year coming up to the aside from the crazy mountain one hundred? I think we got uh, old Gabe. Old Gabe's in June. I can't remember when Elkhorn. Is. We got old Gabe, Elkhorn, Devil's Backbone, and oh, right. cool. uh, one hundred miler. Yep. And then I think there's one called Run the Rut I've never done before, and that's a 50 miler. I want to do that one. That one looks fun. Oh yeah, they got a 50k in that one. Well, that oh, that's what it is. I think. Yep. yep. I got in that one again this year. I was trying to sign up for the 28k, but it filled up and yeah, I had to do the 50, huh? I had to do the 50k again. <laughs> oh man. Then the Alcorn is a. The Elkhorn is deceivingly, um, the elevation is tough, but because there's so many trees, you don't see that you're so up high. It's a pretty good race. Deceptive elevation. There you go. Deceptive elevation. All right. Yeah. Well, Roy, we got a few questions here we'd like to ask you to top off the show here. 
What is your favorite piece of running gear? Favorite piece of running gear? Yeah. I love shoes, man. I love shoes. Right now, I got on some uh, Solomon Speedcross 5s. I'm just wearing now because it's so icy and stuff. And I like the trail shoes. Well, I'm running trails lately. And then in the summertime comes around, I like the uh, I like the light road road flat. Hmm. At home, I think I got a pair of Sauconies. I've been trying out the carbon fiber runners lately, and I like them. But really, I'm open to whatever fits my feet. You know, I try on like five different pairs before I buy a pair. And then once I like a pair, I'll buy two or three pairs just so I have them in case I go out of style or di- get discontinued. Yeah, that happens quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, I got kind of yeah, I got kind of fat feet, so I've been working with a lot of ultras and uh, New Balance. So can just you, for my everyday running. Are the are the Solomon Speed Crosses pretty good on ice? Do you not need like the Catula spikes with them, or they good on their own? Oh yeah, there's yeah, they got some super nice lugs on them. Hmm. Uh, but. If it's super icy, you still need the yak tracks. You know, I got a pair of hokas right now with some sheet metal screws screwed into the bottom <laughs> of them. Those hold up pretty good. The old, the old dirty, dirty. Okay. Yeah. So, so that goes on to our next question. Music or no music? That same thing. That depends on my mood. You know, if I put it, put up with a long day at work and I just, I'm just not feeling it, I'll probably go out with no music. I like hearing the sounds of the road or the trail. I like hearing me breathe. I like hearing the crunch of the ground under my foot. And it's just more peaceful when you have no music. But uh-huh. if I'm feeling motivated or if it's a tempo run or something faster, then I'll throw in some music just so I have that beat to run to. And uh, it all depends on my mood. I think if you get used to running with music, when you can't run with it, it's going to suck. And if you don't have music, well, man, sometimes the miles just drag on and on and on. Uh-huh. But music kind of helps. Just depends. And I'll listen to like podcasts. You know, now I got your guys' podcast. I'll probably listen to this when I run. Listen nice. to some murder mysteries when I run. Just something to go out there on it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And make sure, make sure I don't get eaten by a bear. Yeah. So <laughs> Kicked by a moose. Oh yeah. man! Wait, I got I got a. I was running in St. Mary last week on on the road, and then the next day, my buddy's like, "Hey, bro, I got a." mountain line on that trail cam where you were oh, at. sure enough there's a mountain line walking the freaking road i was on just like mobbing down the road Jeez. so i quit running that area i know i'm not trying to mess around with big cats um, <laughs> them are scary they're not afraid of humans either. yeah i like the cougars but not those ones yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay what's your favorite place to run i gotta go with glacier park oh no 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 yeah, yeah. In the Bay Area, though, you can't beat them Redwoods. Hmm. Redwoods, uh, anywhere in the mountains. I love the mountain running. The beach running's all right, but sometimes that sun's too hot, or sometimes the roads are too hot. You know, the, the sea, the ocean, all that stuff's nice and beautiful. But the mountains, you'll be lost in the mountains, trees everywhere. Then you'll come up on top of a mountain or an opening, and then you can see everything. You know, you see for like hundreds of miles around. And nothing beats that. Stop, mm-hmm. just soak in the view, take a drink of water, and just nothing beats it. The endorphin rush you get when you're out there is just unbeatable. Yeah. So I'd have to say right now it's Glacier Park. Nice. Anywhere on this side of the mountains, the west side of the mountains, mm-hmm. east side of the mountains. And last question, why do you run? Oh, man, you might as well ask me why I like to eat. You know, it's just <laughs> part of who I am. <laughs> I love it. Like when I'm sitting at work, if I'm bored, if I'm doing, I'm all I'm thinking is counting down the time to when I can go run. You know, I tied that to myself as part of who I am. I know uh, if I have a hard day, I know a run's going to pick up my mood. If I had a fun day, I know a run's going to make it even better. You know, just why do I run? It's kind of, there's no easy answers this is kind of who i am now to where i don't even think about it i know i'm gonna run if if i don't answer my phone in a couple hours everybody knows i was probably out running you know mm-hmm. or i'll see somebody will text me holy shit i seen you way out there <laughs> on divide running you and your dog like what were you doing I was, I was running you know the other morning i was out on a road stretch of highway 
and some drunk person pulled over like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm running. <laughs> like, why are you running? Like, why are you drunk? It's like 10 in the morning, dude. And they drove off, you know, like, leave me alone. I'm minding my own business. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> 10 in the morning. That's what I like to do. That's what oh, I love Lord. to do, man. You got to find something like that. Mm-hmm. What, what, what mileage is your dog up to now? What, what can he run comfortably or she? Oh man, Cooper. I have a dog named Cooper and he's a rescue pit and he's awesome, but he's getting kind of older. He's getting a little more stiff in the joints. So he'll go up to like 10, 12 miles of easy running, but, uh, he needs a couple days to recover. Hmm. But his longest run is like 40 miles. Holy cow. Me, him and my dad did that in like 2018 when I first got him. He wasn't all gray in the face. He was still kind of youngish. And, uh, but his breed isn't the long distance breed. You know, he took a lot of water and it took a lot out of him and, but he still gets after it. He, he doesn't do the roads. He's scared of running on the road cause of cars and yeah. he gets bored running on a track. But as soon as we're out in a mountain, man, he gets juiced. He gets pumped just like I do. You know, he's ready. So man, if, uh, and he'll bark and huff and puff at a bear and scare him off a lot of times. Did you say Cooper so was a pit? Company. Yeah, he's a he's a bulldog pit bull man, hmm. and he's super nice. People get intimidated because the way he looks, but it's like, dude, this guy's a teddy bear. You know, he's like little chihuahuas scare him off. He's <laughs> he's not a red dog. This guy drinks filtered water and eats <laughs> eats only raw food. He eats organic. Huh? Like he's super nice. Yeah, he's super nice. Like he's that's a nice personality, and that's the way he's raised. You know, he has to be sociable. When we go mm-hmm. to that, when we run no joke next month there'll be other dogs there and he'll love all the other dogs they like him the people like cooper i like them you know he's super he's a little social butterfly that guy i got a shih tzu and he's not very social he's i don't think he has any yeah, self-awareness there's no self-awareness because he's real tiny but he's always thinks he's really tough yep, mm-hmm. yep. cooper's cooper's little brother uh, my girlfriend's dogs um shih tzu and maltese they call him Malshi. Mm-hmm. And everybody's scared of Cooper because he got muscles and the way he looks. And then it's like the little Malshi's the toughest one. Like, watch out for that dog. That dog, will, <laughs> that dog's fearless. <laughs> that little Malshi thinks it's the toughest dude around. That's awesome. Well, Roy, that's about all the time we have. Is there anything you didn't want to there that we didn't get to cover, or any any parting words you like to, or any inspiring oh, man. words? This is my first 100 miler, and mm-hmm. I'm pumped just thinking about it. I already know it's going to be painful. I already know it's going to be tough. And, but when I finish and with this group of native runners, I looked at the list, we got a stacked team. So I'm yeah. looking forward to, I'm not going to be the DFL, you know, I'm going to, I want to put my best training in to put my best effort in to show what I'm capable of. Cause this past couple of years, I kind of been battling injury. So I've been working on my diet, recovery, nutrition, and I'm coming out of it. So I'm really looking forward to putting on a show and running with Luis Reyes and Jessica Bakari and and all the other runners on the list, man, we got a stack team. I'm lo- really looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. So, and just being on this podcast, getting me pumped. You know, this is like you guys are my group. You guys are the people I like being around. In Browning, there's not really a lot of people that do what I do. So, mm-hmm. talking about what we're talking about, I don't get to do it often. So, it's a privilege and an honor to be part of this. Yeah, we're time. glad to have you. Yeah. I think we're going to have a pretty good team for the crazies. I'm excited. Yeah. Yep. Shout out to um, Me too. the race director and Scott for putting the team together for oh, us. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Thanks, All right, man. Roy. If we, don't, if we don't see you in between, we'll see you out there at the crazy mountains. Oh, yeah. That sounds good, man. All right. Good luck on your training and uh, have fun. Will do, man. You guys take care. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. All right. That was a good interview. Roy, yeah. I sure enjoyed that. Thanks for coming on, Roy. Good guest. Yeah. Good interview. Good interview. I'm, I'm pumped. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pumped, excited too. to go run again. I feel like I should go finish my 13 miles. You better. Cut off at 12. You said you were only doing 12 today. 13. Man. 13 at conversation pace. Okay. It's pretty muddy though, man. Towards the end there. It's getting the shakes. <laughs> Dial in my nutrition there a little bit. Getting the sugar shakes. Getting something. Getting, getting 
you're, uh, you probably burned all the glucose out of your system and then you have the chance to turn over to fat. Or you could eat more carbs and stay in glucose. Did you ever watch those videos where it said, "What does a what does a um a per, what does English sound like to a non English speaking person?" No, you just know sounded like that for some reason. I don't know why. What did I say? I don't know, but look it up on YouTube. It's weird. Like people are they're speaking English, but not. But you, they put themselves in the shoes of someone like say me. I'm from India and I don't speak English even though I'm pretty sure they speak English over there. <laughs> but it's like a normal guy. I was like American accent. He's saying words. But it's like, you don't know what he's saying, but I don't, I don't know. They kind of nailed Send it. Send it to me. I want to listen to okay. it. Okay. Look it up. Check you it out. You probably having the sugar shakes when I um, was saying that. Probably did. Well, I kind of had to hang out a little bit because the, the other two people never had never been on mom's job before. Yeah. So I'd run ahead and you know where all the wrong turns, you can go the wrong way. And, um, I tried to like kind of step at those um at those junctions uh-huh. like in the snow so they could see my footprints. Yeah, that wasn't working. So I was like a ways ahead and I'd look to see if they made the right turn. If they didn't, I'd have to try to get a hold of them. I called them. Yep. They didn't always answer. So, but I had to guide them on the trail while I was ahead of them. You're a great Sherpa. I was a great Sherpa, and Roque yeah. just left us in the dust, in the mud dust, in the muddy mud muck. <clears throat> What's interesting, um, I was thinking about this this week, mm-hmm. is that um, the indigenous way of communicating, like us, mm-hmm. it's really multifaceted, and um, sometimes there's multiple subjects going on at the same time, as well as multiple layers of meaning, and all these different topics at the same time we can continue with. Like what I do you mean? Like the method of con- conversating during our banter. When we're just visiting somebody you know, mm-hmm. there's like five different topics probably going on at the same time. And you jump from topic to topic, and also there's different layers of meaning. Yeah, and then um, then if you add more people to that mix, they just yep. And so then, if somebody comes from maybe a own Western only point of view, they they don't know what's going on. They can't keep up, and they call it random. These guys are must. Random hmm. and they're not really random, it's just a really complex way of communicating. And um, when they're only used to linear left to right one topic communicating, mm-hmm. that's probably why us um, yes, Indians get bored in school. <laughs> that's deep, <laughs> so uh, it's pretty dang boring when you're used to this multiple layers of all this information at once. And then um, sometimes you go to school and it's just one topic. In a linear fashion. I have trouble concentrating on just one thing at a time, I've noticed. Because it's boring. Yeah. And I think that... But sometimes it kind of gets out of hand and you got to yeah, try yeah. to rein, rein it in a little bit. That's or true. Sometimes I'll go off on a tangent and say, what the heck was I talking about in here anyhow? I can't even remember. <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that. Yeah. Speaking of uh, multiple things, I knew what I was going to call you about that one day. And I said I couldn't remember. Uh-huh. Well, I was watching this documentary called The Family... And basically, what was it that like, like uh, political? They're, yeah, they're like the the political head brass cheese senators, congressmen. Yeah. Did kinda, you watch it? Kind of. Yeah, I've seen parts of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. So I can't remember what episode it was, but they kind of had like a snapshot of um, kind of like the hierarchy, hierarchy or whatever, or whatever the thing was in them. So they had Jesus in the center, and remember, like there was like separate rings around Jesus and the closer you got you're like the more chosen you were is it the crow Jesus or the other Jesus anyhow <laughs> right next to Jesus there's like a square like a square not connected to Jesus but inside the ring and it said the American Indian what yeah so we were closer to the Lord than the other people I don't know so I tried to look it up and everything and I couldn't find anything I don't know if that diagram was just kind of they just kind of threw that in there, even though it didn't really relate to the actual doctrine of whatever the family was. But anyhow. So we're closer to heaven. I thought that was interesting. Closer to heaven. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless they got it from the Book of Mormon. <laughs> Don't they have a special place for us in that one? <laughs> they get kudos if they, if they can... Because um, I remember my... If they can take one of us into their flock, I think that they get some sort of... Really? I don't know. I don't know. I got some... I'm not sure. I just remember my uncle ascended the ranks pretty quick. That one time. He wanted us to join so we could get free. Um, I don't know if it's him, but one guy was like, come on, just sign up and they'll get you free appliances. Really? 
I don't, I don't need know. to nix this. Yeah, Jason. And take this out. You're taking us off track. <laughs> what were we talking about again? Anyhow, the family. The family. Sorry, didn't They're, mean to offend any of our Mormon friends. Yes, we were very welcoming and um, tolerant of all races and religions. It's interesting that they get an exempt, though, from, you know, that in the 50s, 60s, there was a lot of native children being taken from families and kind of sent out to live somewhere and just disappeared. And then that's why they created the Indian Child Welfare Act. Mm-hmm. But um, for some reason, it doesn't apply to members of that um, faith. Really? Yeah, because somehow, I don't know, they have some sort of beliefs about... Some our, sort of exemption, huh? Our peoples, yeah. Interesting. Something to look up. The more you know, the less you know. I'll find it. We'll find it. Find out about the family, too. I don't know where we fit in there. That thing was really intriguing. Yeah. We better end this. We should. All right. Be part of the family pretty soon. <laughs> Knocking on our door. <laughs> Funding the campaign. There you go. Funding the campaign. <laughs> so when are we doing this again? I think we got a couple more guests lined up. Yep. We and do. we also should probably take a minute here to acknowledge what the heck's going on. Everybody out there, be safe. Mask up. Um, yeah, there's a... Uh, pandemic still going on as a big old outbreak and pretty rampant and uh, the there's some people who when they're getting quarantined are following the quarantine but then there's others you're not helping yeah i'm not judging but it seems like the quarantine rules only um apply to skipping work <laughs> i gotta i can't go to work but i'll go to this basketball can't, game i can't go to work because i'm quarantined but i'll blow out these candles on this cake at the birthday party <laughs> Can you blow out? Uh, you're not supposed to be able to blow through your mask, or there is it the bad mask? That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. There's no mask. I'm still going to ball games and stuff. And... Yep. Well, anyhow, yeah. Everybody, be safe. Be safe. Um, if you guys are sick, our thoughts are with you. You'll be all right. If uh, another way to sit, protect yourself, vaccination, booster, those work. My son got COVID and just no symptoms whatsoever. Pretty sure there's a lot of people that got it. And- didn't get yeah. tested, just had a runny nose and headache and mm-hmm. kept going to work. It's funny because he's a bit of an introvert. Uh-huh. And, um, so he was pretty happy just to stay in his room. <laughs> <laughs> He'd focus out on his well mask. Can I get some ramen noodles? <laughs> Gatorade. <laughs> Normally he gets that himself, but it was, it was that chilling, was it. Huh? Yep. It's just chilling. Chilling like a villain. Okay, everybody. Be safe. Have fun. Do your best. Brush your teeth. Say your prayers. Run hard and run left to you.